Thank you so much, worship team. Another great start to our week, praising the Lord together. I want to welcome you again. Thanks for joining us for worship today. For those of you watching online, I want to say hello to you as well. Thank you, James. And I also want to say hello to our uh, friends that are downstairs this morning in our family-friendly venue. We have, uh, have a number of families worshiping down there uh, each Sunday, and it's a real joy to, uh, to have you all with us as well today. Friends, I want you to just think for a minute about how good God has been to our church here uh, in, in recent months. I mean, this is just this is so great uh, to be together worshiping the Lord on Sunday mornings. We've gone almost four months now since uh, we've returned to corporate worship, in-person worship. We haven't had any COVID outbreaks. God's protected us with great health. Uh, our ministries are all starting up again this fall. Just this week, we kicked off our student ministries again, uh, children's ministry, Awana, blast cubby's meeting on wednesday night uh we're so thankful for all of that taking place god's been providing for our church uh financially our budget remains healthy we finished this great renovation um lots of just so many good things to be thankful for and uh, i just i hope we don't take that for granted god is doing some good things here this is a difficult season uh, for churches, and God has been incredibly faithful to us. Uh, one of the ways I want to highlight that for us this, this week, I'm super excited about this because, uh, I don't know if you've noticed it, but we've been missing white roses on our stage for quite some time. And uh, this past week, we had great news. Uh, nine individuals who placed their trust in Jesus Christ through the ministries of Lakes Free Church this week. We had, yeah, I think that's awesome. <clears throat> We had five young people at our uh, first night of midweek programming that placed their trust in Jesus in a salvation message. And then uh, one of our members had the opportunity to speak at a youth event this week, and uh, they had four uh, other young people put their trust in Jesus as well. And so uh, we're just so thankful. You know, I, I, again, friends, this is what we're here for. We're here to make disciples. We're here to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so uh, my hope and prayer is that over the coming weeks and months this year, we're going to see many, many more white roses up here on stage as God uses each of us uh, to be ambassadors for the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives uh, and in our own circles of influence. And uh, we're actually going to be talking about that very topic this morning as we continue on in our series in the book of uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, just two quick announcements for you this morning before we jump into our uh, message today. I want to remind all of you guys that this upcoming Saturday we've got a special event. We're going to be doing a one-day men's advance. Uh, the men's advance is our annual uh, men's retreat, except here at Lakes Free our men don't retreat, we advance. Uh, but because of uh, this COVID situation, we're not going to be doing our typical weekend getaway. Uh, we're going to do a one-day event here at the church. Saturday morning at 1130, we're going to gather on the youth center patio uh, behind uh, the youth center. We're going to have uh, barbecue, some hamburgers, some great food. And then uh, that afternoon, we're going to let guys uh, split up. And some guys are going to go to a shooting range. Some guys are going to go golfing. I think there's a group of guys doing some fishing. But uh, it's going to be a great opportunity to come and just connect and have some great uh, fun and fellowship with, uh, with the guys. So whether you want to do the full day of activities, or just come for the lunch, uh, you can sign up for that online. You could stop by our Next Steps area this morning and get registered for that. We would love to, to have you join us for that, uh, that great time. I want to make uh, just one, one last mention. Uh, this is a request for prayer. Uh, some of you may have heard the news. Uh, our student ministry pastor, Pastor Justin, uh, his brother John, his older brother John, passed away this week uh, after a long battle with ALS. 
And uh, we just want to remember to keep uh, Pastor Justin and his family in our prayers uh, as they're going to be having a funeral service this week for his brother. And uh, just thanking the, the Lord that uh, his difficult battle is over. And uh, we know that his brother John is at home with Jesus today. And so that's a great joy and blessing. But uh, you can definitely keep Pastor Justin in your prayers. Well, friends, let's have a word of prayer together as we uh, turn our hearts now to God's Word. Uh, we want to make sure to thank Him for uh, His many blessings, and, uh, and that includes the opportunity to study uh, God's Word together. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're just so grateful to be here this morning. We're thankful for just all the amazing things that You are doing here in our church, the ways that You have provided for us, the ways that You are at work here uh, through the ministries of this place, reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, uh, help us to keep that focus, Lord. Help us to keep the main thing the main thing as your church. And uh, may that be what we're always about, Lord, uh, seeing new people come to faith, uh, celebrating that with white roses up on stage, and uh, committing ourselves to that cause, Lord. We are uh, thankful, God, for these uh, nine white roses on the platform this morning and the lives they represent. We're, we're grateful for these young people that put their faith in you this week. We just ask your blessing upon them, God. We pray that they would uh, grow now in their faith, that they would be nurtured and uh, just fall in love with you more and more and uh, grow to become faithful disciples of you, Lord. And, uh, and Jesus, we, uh, we also today want to remember Pastor Justin and his family as they uh, mourn the loss of his brother John. Lord, we thank you that John knew you and had a personal relationship with you. And uh, we're grateful, God, that uh, his long and difficult battle has now ended and that he's gone home to be with you in glory. We, uh, we're grateful for that. But, but we also pray for his family who is here, uh, his wife, his kids, Justin, and all of his uh, family members, Lord, who, who are obviously going to miss uh, John in his presence. And so uh, comfort them, God, in these difficult days. And uh, may they continue to look to you as their source of hope and, and peace, God, in the midst of this difficult time. Lord, as we turn to the Gospel of John now, I, pr I pray that you would prepare our hearts. I pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word as we look at uh, the fundamentals of what it means to be a disciple. Uh, Lord, open our eyes and, and give us a passion, a, a desire to be faithful disciples ourselves so that we too can participate in the, gr the great mission of reaching the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, one of uh, my great joys as a parent has been the opportunity to uh, pass on some of my personal loves and interests uh, to my own kids. I, I love spending time with my kids, and now that they're both growing up, you know, Caleb's a freshman in high school, Addie's in eighth grade, uh, you know, they're starting to, you know, take more interest in recreational activities and some of the hobbies I've always enjoyed. Caleb and I, for example, this summer have been doing, doing a lot of fishing together, and it's just so fun, you know, teaching him, you know, the, the fundamentals of fishing, you know, helping him learn how to cast a bait caster and helping them understand the way different lures work and fish, uh, fish habitat and structure and where to, where to search out the fish. Caleb and I were actually up at our family's cabin last Saturday and uh, we were fishing a lake up there, Big Sisabagama Lake. Uh, we hadn't fished this lake in probably 10 years and so we just thought, hey, let's go check this place out. And uh, Caleb was fishing a topwater buzz bait, kind of spins across the water and makes a lot of commotion and, and uh, he's reeling this buzz bait in and he gets to about two feet of the boat and he goes oh my 
my gosh, Dad, it's the biggest fish I've ever seen. And I look, and there is, I'm not kidding you, there's about a four-foot-long muskie that is following his lure right up to the edge of the boat. And, uh, you know, before you know it, the fish gets right up to the edge and then dives down and disappears. And uh, about 10 minutes later, I cast my lure out into this grass flat that we were fishing. And I literally, I must have hit this muskie on its back because this massive splash of water, as soon as my lure hit, just erupted. And uh, man, it was so exciting. Caleb is just, you know, he's fishing crazy now. He's hooked on this uh, after some of these cool experiences we've had recently. And then Addie, it's been really fun this past year. Addie started playing tennis last year uh, with, our, uh, with our local Chisago Lake school team. She's part of the Wildcats this year. As an eighth grader, she made the JV team, which was really cool. She put a lot of work in this last year and is really uh, doing great in her tennis game. And it's been fun working with Addie on some of the fundamentals and, and helping her just understand, you know, the basics of not only, you know, how do you play tennis, but some of the strategy involved in, in how to be a winning tennis player. I, I've grown up, uh, you know, since I was a young man, uh, coaching youth sports, and so I've really enjoyed helping Coach Addie and and uh, some of the strategy and technique. When uh, when Addie plays matches each week, we have five things that we always uh, talk about before her matches. I, I always remind Addie and I encourage her in these these five things. I say, uh, number one, Addie, uh, trust your swing. Trust your swing. And she knows what I mean by that. What I mean by that is stick to the fundamentals. All right? You, you know the movement. You know how to follow through on your forehand. You know how to create that topspin. Trust your swing. Trust your swing, and the ball will do what you want it to do. The, the, the second fundamental that I always remind her of before her matches are keep moving. Keep moving. You want to be moving. You want, if you ever watch tennis players, they're always bouncing. They're always moving. And that's because they have to be ready to adjust in any direction at any moment to get the ball. And, and I'll tell Addie, keep moving. Don't get stuck in the quicksand. That's kind of the terminology I use. You get stuck standing there, and pretty soon your feet just get heavy, and they're going to shoot a ball past you, and you're not going to be able to get to it in time. So keep moving. The, the, the third piece of advice I give Addie when she plays her matches I say, hit it where they're not. How do you win? You hit it where they're not. And I know that sounds basic, but so many tennis players, especially young players, forget that that's the basic strategy. They'll hit these rallies back and forth where they're just hitting the ball back and forth to their opponent. And I say, Addie, that doesn't do you any good. Hit it where they're not. That's how you win. The, the, the fourth piece of advice I give her in terms of coaching strategy, play to your opponent's weakness. Play to your opponent's weakness. Look at if you're playing against another girl and you realize, look at this girl can't hit a backhand. Well, where are you going to hit it? Hit it to her backhand. Make her hit that backhand all day. If she can't hit that shot, hit her backhand. Look at we're not trying to make friends out here. You're trying to win a match. All right, you can take her out for ice cream afterwards if you want. But right now we're trying to win the match. And so, so play to your opponent's weakness. And then the last fundamental that I always remind Addie of. And this is one I stole from the great running back, Walter Payton. If you're going to die, die hard. I tell Addie every match, die hard. Die hard. Every game, every set, every match, die hard. You're going to run into an opponent once in a while who's just plain old better than you. You're going to have an off day where you're not playing well. Die hard. Make them earn every point. Don't roll over and quit. Fight, fight, fight. And you might lose 
but you'll walk away proud of yourself for the effort that you put in. And so those are the five fundamentals that I always remind Addie of every match. Uh, and, and again, God's uh, really blessed her with some great abilities, and she's done really well this year. It's been fun uh, watching her this season play tennis. Well, I, I share that, those stories this morning about some of these fundamentals in terms of athletics and hobbies because just like there are fundamentals in these various skills that all of us participate in in life, there are some fundamentals when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus Christ that we need to recognize, that we need to know about. Uh, if we're going to be faithful followers of Jesus and fully appreciate what he's called us to, what he's done for us, the mission that he's given us, we need to understand these fundamentals. And, and in our passage this morning, we're going to see five fundamentals of discipleship that uh, are displayed in the lives of Jesus' first disciples that we're going to see here at the end of John chapter 1, some principles that we can take from their experiences and apply to our own experience as disciples of Jesus Christ. So we're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51 this morning. I'm going to read our passage for us, and then I'm going to come back, and I want to highlight for us today these five fundamentals of discipleship that we see here uh, in this morning's passage. We start out in chapter 35. The next day again, John, this is John the Baptist, if you recall from last week. The next day again, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. That's about 4 p.m. in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, which in the Greek and the Aramaic means rock. Verse 43, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the story of the calling of Jesus' very first disciples. It's a great passage, and there's a number of principles that we can learn from this passage, fundamentals we can learn about what it means to be 
a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to highlight five fundamentals this morning from this passage to help us understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The first of these fundamentals that we see in our passage this morning is that disciples recognize their need for Jesus. This is the the first and most important of all the fundamentals of discipleship. Disciples recognize their need for Jesus. Friends, you, you can't be a disciple of Jesus if you don't first understand your need for Jesus. Our passage this morning starts out with John the Baptist, and he's, he's standing there with two of his disciples. One of them is Andrew. The other one is an unnamed disciple, and, and scholars believe that this unnamed disciple is actually John, the apostle, the author of this gospel. Through, throughout John's gospel, we're going to see this unnamed apostle, this unnamed disciple appear over and over again. One of the literary techniques that authors often used in the ancient world was to insert themselves anonymously in the story so that they could serve the role as a real participant like they truly were, but also serve as a, as a narrator, if you will. And so that's what John is doing here. He, he refers to himself as this other disciple, this unnamed disciple. So, so here is Andrew and John standing with John the Baptist. And again, as we saw last week, John the Baptist was called by God to be a herald announcing the coming of the, the Savior, the Messiah. And John the Baptist sees Jesus once again, like last week, and he announces to his disciples with him, behold, behold, look over there, behold, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. Last week we saw John use the phrase, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now friends, you need to ask yourself a a simple question here. Why, why would Andrew and John the apostle leave John the Baptist to go and follow Jesus. I, I mean, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know anything about Jesus. But John the, John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God. And Andrew and John walk away from John the Baptist and turn to follow Jesus. Why is that? It's because Andrew and John recognized something in Jesus that they truly needed. And the secret there is found in verse Uh, verse 36, where John calls Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God. See, for the, the Jewish mind, like we talked about last week, the Jewish mind would have immediately understood the imagery of a lamb. The, the Jewish mind would have recognized that a lamb represents sacrifice. They, they would have thought back, as we talked about last week, to the Passover lamb, the sacrificial lamb and the shed blood over the doorposts in Egypt and the angel of the Lord passing over the homes of the Israelites when he brought his judgment against the nation of Egypt. We, they would have thought of the sacrificial lambs, the, the twice-a-day sacrifice that took place in the temple for the forgiveness of the people's sins. The priests every morning and every evening would sacrifice a lamb as a temporary covering for the sin of the people of Israel. And so when John the Baptist says to Andrew and John, behold, the Lamb of God, Andrew and John would have immediately heard and seen an image in their mind of a sacrificial lamb, a, a sacrifice for sin. And now John is saying, here in this one, in this person, in this man, this is the Lamb of God. Not just any lamb, the Lamb of God. In other words, like we saw last week, the perfect lamb, the spotless lamb, the promised lamb, the one who would come to be the perfect sacrifice for their sins. See, Andrew and John knew that they needed Jesus. 
These guys were already religious guys. I mean, they were faithful Jews. They, they were devoted disciples of John the Baptist, probably the greatest preacher in the world in those days. And, and they were following John the Baptist faithfully. These guys had religion. They were religious, spiritual men. But what they needed was not religion. They needed a relationship with the one who could provide for them what they truly needed. Deliverance from their sin. Forgiveness cleansing, new life with God, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb of God. And so when John announces, Jesus, behold the lamb, Andrew and John quickly turn to follow Jesus, recognizing in him the one who could meet their deepest needs. See, friends, as we talked about last week, all of us are infected with a spiritual disease called sin. Romans 3.23 says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of God's holiness, of his righteousness, of his perfect morality. And and as Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous among us. No, not one, Paul says. There's no one righteous. And, And we can't earn our salvation. We can't work for our salvation. We can't merit our salvation. Because God is holy, he's perfect, and and all of us fall short of God's holy standards. Paul goes on in Romans 6.23 to remind us that the wages of our sin, the the payment, the penalty due for our sin is death, spiritual death and, and physical death, and these things come as a result of sin, and so we need something to, to cover our sin and, and to atone for our sin and to make us right in the eyes of our holy God. That's where God in his grace instituted the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. He provided a means through the lamb of a temporary sacrifice, a temporary covering of sin. But it could never fully atone for our sin. And this is why Jesus, as we saw the last two weeks, as the perfect lamb of God, fully God, fully man, the perfect substitute for us, he became the perfect spotless lamb of God who takes away our sins. John and Andrew recognized that they needed Jesus. Friends, let me ask you, have you recognized your need for Jesus? See, like like John and Andrew understood, religion wouldn't save them. They had religion, but what they most needed was a relationship, a personal relationship with the true lamb of God who came as the perfect substitute, the perfect sacrifice. Friends, I'd encourage you today, if you're here thinking that attending church and being religious and being spiritual, if you think that this is what God wants for you, friend, you're sadly mistaken. Coming to church is great, but church is simply a medium to experience what we truly need. The one who came is the perfect Lamb of God to save us of our sins. Put your hope and trust in Jesus. That's the first and most fundamental part of being a disciple of Christ. The, the, the second fundamental of Christian discipleship that we see in our passage this morning is that disciples seek out time with Jesus. Disciples long to spend time with Jesus. When, when Andrew and John turned to follow Jesus, they started following Jesus, and Jesus in verses 38 and 39 sees Andrew and John following him, and so he stops, and he turns to these guys, and he says, what do you want? What do you want? What a great question. What are you seeking, he says. Friends, how would you answer that question? If God asked you today, what are you seeking? Money? Status? Fame? A relationship? More toys? What are you seeking? 
See, Andrew and John understood what they truly needed. Andrew and John understood that only Jesus can fill the emptiness that's inside of us. All, all the stuff that we pursue in this world are, are just simply idols that promise us joy and fulfillment, but ultimately lead to pain and misery and despair because they cannot truly fulfill. And so Andrew and John, following Jesus, recognizing that he was the one that they truly needed, Andrew and John, in response to Jesus, Jesus says, what are you seeking? Andrew and John say, where are you staying? What a great answer, right? Where are you staying? I mean, you think of all the ways you could have answered that question, Andrew and John say, where are you staying? Why'd they, why'd they respond like that? Friends, they responded like that because they wanted to go where Jesus was going. They wanted to spend time with Jesus. They wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. Jesus, where are you staying? Because that's where we want to go to. That's where we want to be. We want to be wherever you are, Lord. Friends, please understand this morning, discipleship is not simply a casual acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. It's a commitment to abiding with Jesus. The word disciple literally means a follower. It means a follower, someone who walks along with their teacher, with their master. So many people sadly acknowledge Jesus as Savior. They acknowledge him as Lord. They'll, they'll say, I believe in Jesus, but it's just a casual acknowledgement with no long-term commitment to follow. You know, one, one of the saddest things I've observed in my ministry of, what is it now, over 20 years serving the Lord. One of the saddest things I've seen are, are people who put their trust in Jesus. There's a, there's a seemingly sincere commitment to, to Jesus. They, they pray a prayer of salvation. They recognize their sin and their need for a Savior. And yet over time, there's no appearance of fruit or growth or ongoing commitment to following Jesus in their life. In their life. Friends, this is a very sad reality. When somebody who acknowledges their need for Jesus doesn't consistently follow Jesus. It's not only sad, but it's also scary because when there's no fruit of discipleship, when there's no evidence of following Christ, you have to ask yourself, did that person's commitment really mean anything in the beginning? See, a, a disciple of Christ will seek out time with Jesus. Andrew and John said, Lord, where are you staying? We want to be in your presence. Now, friends, I, I, when I say all this, please understand, God isn't looking for the, uh, some sort of legalistic perfection from us here, all right? He, he's not expecting like a, a checklist of, well, you got to do, you know, I want 10 minutes of prayer right away in the morning, and then one hour of Bible study before you go to work, and then make sure you hit this class and that class and this Bible study. No, this isn't about legalistic perfection in terms of how much time we spend with Jesus. What God is looking at is our heart's attitude. What's our heart's desire when it comes to following Christ? One of the great examples in all of Scripture of this reality is King David. King David, the, the great king of the Old Testament. If you remember David's story, David was a great sinner. He fell short of God's standards many times. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer trying to cover up his sin. And yet, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. How could somebody so corrupt at the same time, be considered a man after God's own heart. 
Friends, I think the key is found here in David's words in Psalm 27, verse 4. What was the cry of David's heart? David's heart cry, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Friends, the cry of David's heart was to dwell in God's presence and gaze upon his beauty. Why? Because I think David knew that he falls so short of God's glory. And he's fallen so short of God's standards that there's nothing better than being in the Lord's presence and and gazing upon his beauty. That's what we truly need as disciples. Friends, let me ask you this morning, where do you seek to dwell? Uh, Are you abiding with Christ on a regular basis or, or do you spend more time in the prevailing culture around us? See, how you answer that question will will have a dramatic impact on the joy you experience as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I saw this in my own life recently, uh, about a month ago. I, I, I got home from work one night, and my kids had gone to bed, and I ended up sitting down on the, in the family room watching cable TV, and I started watching cable news, and before you know it, I had been watching about two hours worth of cable television, cable news, and and like I'm watching these news stories, and I'm watching these news stories and these commentators, I'm just getting more and more angry, more and more frustrated, more and more, you know, d- discouraged with what's going on in the world around us. And then I went upstairs, I shut the TV off, I went upstairs and I sat down in my chair where I often read and study, and then I actually opened my laptop that night because I remembered Pastor Stephen had just done his online class that evening. He's been doing an online class over the summer on Christian disciplines, and and that particular week was on missions. And so I I just clicked on that program, and I watched the replay of that program. As I was watching the replay of that program, it was just like a balm for my soul. All all the anger and hatred and just just frustration that had grown in me watching all the news suddenly began to just strip away as I focused on the truth of God's Word and his calling for our lives as his people, and meditating on those great truths. And it was such a, just a great, powerful time of growth in my life. And I remember thinking to myself in that moment, this is what I need. Why, why do I waste so much time worrying about the stuff of this world instead of focusing on the things of Christ, which truly edify and truly build me up? Friends, let me tell you something this morning. Mark this down. If you'll make time for Christ a priority in your life, pretty soon your life will begin to reflect Christ's priorities. If you'll make time for Christ a priority in your life, pretty soon your life will begin to reflect Christ's priorities. You'll begin to grow more like Jesus. You'll begin to fall more in love with Jesus. The things that Jesus desires will become your desires. The fruit of the Spirit of peace and joy and contentment will begin to overflow within you. Friends, don't get caught up in the stuff of this world. Abide with Christ. The the third foundation that we see in our passage this morning, disciples make other disciples. Disciples make other disciples. I, I love the response of each of the four men that we see in our passage this morning when they meet Jesus. Because what do they do? Each of these disciples then, immediately their instinct is to go out and make other disciples. See, as we recognize our need for Jesus and as we spend time with Jesus, the direct result will be a motivation to share the good news of Jesus. 
We see this in our passage this morning, and we see it in another great story at the end of the Gospel of Luke. At the end of the Gospel of Luke, after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus is, is walking alongside on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem with, with a couple of his followers, and they've heard that Jesus has been risen, risen from the grave, and, and Jesus comes alongside them and starts walking with them, but they don't recognize him because the Holy Spirit hides Jesus' identity from them. And Jesus, as they're walking, is, is unfolding the Old Testament to them and sharing about all the promises of God that were fulfilled in Christ and how the Messiah would die and rise again. And I love how the passage ends after Jesus reveals himself to these disciples. And after he leaves their presence, they say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Friends, when you spend time with Jesus, the, the inevitable result is going to be your heart is going to burn within you with a passion for the Lord. We see the fruit of hearts on fire for the Lord here in our passage this morning. Let me, let me just share three quick observations that we see here uh, in, in these verses. Number one, in terms of disciples making disciples, we, we see here that joy in Christ is uncontainable. John the Baptist he finds Andrew and John. Andrew and John. He, Andrew, he goes and finds Peter. Philip, he goes and finds Nathaniel. Why? Because their joy and what they experienced and discovered in Jesus was uncontainable. They had to share it with somebody else. And, and this is the pattern that we see over and over again. Disciples make other disciples when you understand who Christ is, what he's done for us. That joy cannot be contained. We, we have a statement here at Lakes Free Church. In fact, if you, on your way out this morning, you'll see on the wall next to the office, welcome to Lakes Free, and we have three, three uh, frames there. One says grounded, one says growing, the third says going. It's kind of our tagline here at Lakes Free, grounded, growing, going. What does that mean? We're a church that desires to be grounded in truth. We're a church that desires to see our people growing in grace, being conformed more and more in the likeness of Christ so that we can go, going, going in faith. The going is about replicating ourselves and making other disciples. That's what it's all about. That's the mission that we've been given, going and make other disciples. Secondly, here in our passage, we see that witnessing begins at home. Where do you start, friends? The most important place to start is, is in your own home. Andrew, he goes and seeks out his brother, Simon. John, he later goes and finds his brother, James. These guys wanted first and foremost to, to reach those who were closest to them. There's no more important mission field than your own family. Our greatest priority, friends, as parents, as grandparents, as, as family members, should be to see those in our family come to know Jesus and trust him as their Lord and Savior. Your, your family, friends, is your first and most immediate mission field. Now, I, I know for some of you this can be a discouraging thing because you've shared your faith with, with your kids or your grandkids and they're not walking with the Lord today. But friends, I want you to remember something this morning. The result is not up to you. The, the result is up to the Holy Spirit. You're just responsible to be faithful in sharing the good news of the gospel. And so I want to encourage you this morning, don't give up, okay? Stay in the word. Point them to Jesus and keep on loving them. And God can do miracles. It doesn't matter how old your kids are or how far they've strayed. 
I've seen time and time again God use the influence of a godly family to reach a beloved family member with the good news of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, here in our passage, we see that the cry of the disciple is, is, is come and see. Come and see. Friends, this is one of the greatest things to understand about discipleship and, and evangelism. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be an expert apologist. You don't have to be an expert evangelist to share the hope that's found in Jesus. All you have to be able to do is say, come and see. Come and see. What, what does come and see look like practically? How do you do that when you, when you extend this invitation to come and see? Let me, let me suggest three things. Number one, come and see. Share your own story. Share what God's done in your life. All of us can do that. Number two, extend an invitation, right? Come and see. Join me at church some Sunday morning. Come to the one-day men's advance with me this weekend. Come and see and, and meet some other people or, or hear a message from my pastor. Come and see what worship, what the family of God is like. Extend an invitation. And thirdly, another way to, to, to encourage people to come and see, I love what my friend Greg Kolkel, the, the apologist who we've had here at Lakes Free in the past, says. He simply says, put a stone in their shoe. Leave them with something to think about, right? You don't always have to seal the deal in a single conversation. Sometimes it's about just putting a little pebble in their shoe that they walk away and that pebble's just stuck in there and, you know, they just can't get it out of their mind, Right? Greg Coco says, put a stone in their shoe. Give them something to think about. Leave them with a question. Something like, what if Jesus really is who he claimed to be? Have a good day. We'll see you later. Right? Friends, what do you think that person's going to be thinking about for the next week until they see you again? What if Jesus really is who he claimed to be? And they're going to walk away every day, and that's just going to be mulling in their mind. You know, it's going to be like that pebble in their shoe they can't get rid of right? Leave them with something to think about. All of us can do this. All of us can extend the invitation to come and see. Fundamental number four of discipleship. Disciples enter into a transformational relationship with Jesus. Friends, this is so good for us to understand this morning. I love this point here. In verse 42, we see Andrew bring his brother Simon to Jesus. And what is the first thing that Jesus does with Simon? What's the first thing he does? The very first thing Jesus does is he changes Simon's name. He says, you're no longer Simon. You're going to be called Cephas. You're going to be called Peter, which in Aramaic and Greek means the rock. The very first thing Jesus does when he encounters Peter is he changes his name from Simon to Peter. Friends, understand this this morning. This is so important for all of us to recognize. The beauty of the gospel is that when you come to Jesus, he doesn't see you as the person that you are. He sees you as the person he intends for you to be. Let me say that again. When you come to Jesus, he doesn't see you as you are. He sees you as the person he intends for you to be. Isn't that good news? Simon was known as a hothead, he was tempestuous, he was rash, he was violent, and yet Jesus called him Peter, the rock, the one who would become the pillar of the early church, the leader of the early church. Jesus saw him for who he was going to be. I just love that about Jesus. I love how he did that in my own life, how years ago when I was a college student living my life in rebellion against God, 
not interested in the things of the Lord at all, how God called me and brought me to faith, brought me into a path that led to ministry. I mean, everything about who I am today is because Jesus saw who he intended me to be, not who I was in my rebellion. And I would be willing to bet this morning that all of us here as followers of Jesus probably have our own stories of transformation because the reality is you can't enter into a relationship with Jesus and not come away changed. Some of you this morning might be thinking to yourself, well, Pastor Jason, I don't like the way my story's turning out right now. Well, let me remind you of something, friends. You're not the author of your story. God is, and God's not finished with you yet. And so what do you do? Like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways look to him, and he will make your path straight. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking to the Lord, and he is going to continue his work of transformation because that's what Jesus does. Fundamental number five this morning, lastly, how many of you love firework shows, right? Firework shows, what's the best part of the firework show? The grand finale, am I right? Here we have the grand finale, point number five, the story of Nathaniel. I love this story in verses 47 through 51. Philip goes and he calls his friend Nathaniel. Jesus sees Nathaniel coming and he says, Behold, a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jesus looked into Nathaniel's heart. He saw Nathaniel's heart was genuine, it was pure, it truly desired a relationship with the Lord. Nathaniel says to Jesus, How do you know me? And Jesus says to Nathaniel, Because I saw you under the fig tree. Before Philip even called you, Jesus saw Nathaniel under the fig tree. Now, friends, that could be a literal reference, but that phrase, to be under the fig tree, <clears throat> was actually a euphemism in the Jewish culture of the time, referring to somebody who was a student of God's word somebody who intently studied God's word. And so what I think Jesus is saying to Nathaniel is, here's a true Israelite with no deceit in his heart. And by the way, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel. I saw you searching the scriptures. I saw you studying God's word. I saw you seeking out an answer to who is that lamb of God who would come as the Savior, as the Messiah. And Nathaniel hears Jesus' omniscient response to his search for truth. And Nathaniel embraces Jesus. You are the king of Israel. You are the Lord. You are the Savior. And then Jesus says to Nathaniel, you think this is cool? You're going to see even greater things than these. And then he says to Nathaniel, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending. That was a reference to Genesis chapter 28, which Nathaniel would have known, which any faithful Israelite would have known. The story of Jacob. Jacob, who we studied this summer in the story of Joseph. Jacob had stolen his brother Esau's birthright and Esau was trying to kill Jacob and so Jacob had fled from home and he was miles and miles away from home out in the wilderness hiding out and at night God appeared to Jacob in a vision and Jacob saw a ladder descending from heaven and on that ladder angels of God ascending and descending and God said to Jacob, I am with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you and Jacob called that place, Bethel, the house of God, because God was there with him. Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, you think this is cool? You're going to see even greater things. You're going to see the heavens open. You're going to see the angels ascending and descending. But notice what Jesus doesn't talk, talk about. He doesn't mention a ladder, does he? He doesn't mention a ladder because Jesus wants Nathaniel and all of his disciples to recognize that he is that ladder. 
You want to see the heavens open? You want to see the power of God ascending and descending? Look to Jesus. Jesus is the ladder. And that access, friends, is available to each of us who know Jesus personally. We have a ladder between heaven and earth. In Jesus, we have direct access to the supernatural power of God. In Jesus, we have permanent residence and unending access to the house of God. And friends, just like Nathaniel, we too can expect even greater things as we continue to walk in faith with Jesus. That's true for us individually, and it's true for us collectively as a church. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you think God's done some great things here at Lakes Free over our church's history? God's done some amazing things here. But I'll tell you something, friends. If we stay close to Jesus, you ain't seen nothing yet. Jesus says you're going to see even greater things than these. This past week, I was meeting with a, a fellow pastor of mine, a friend of mine, a senior pastor here in the Free Church in the Twin Cities, we were talking about this current season we've been going through with COVID, and my friend suggested, he said, Jason, there's going to be three outcomes, three types of churches that are going to come out of this current COVID season. Number one, there's going to be churches no longer alive. They're, they're, going, to, they're going to die away. There's going to be churches struggling to survive. And thirdly, he said, Jason, there's going to be churches that are thriving and alive. And he said, you want to know what the difference is between number three and the other two? the difference will be their commitment to discipleship, their commitment to the mission the Lord has given us, the mission of reaching the lost and equipping believers. You know, some friends, I think God has some big things in store for us here at Lakes Free Church, but we can't lose sight of our mission. Like that last scene in the movie Star Wars <clears throat> when Luke Skywalker is flying his X-Wing fighter through the Death Star and <coughs> his squadron commander in the back what does he keep saying to Luke? Stay on target. Stay on target. Friends, we need to stay on target. We got to keep our focus on the main thing. We need to stay focused on the mission God has given us. The temptation that we're going to face in the coming years here at Lakes Free is the reality that the status quo here is pretty good. I mean, good things are happening here. I mean, we've got a great building, we've got great facilities, lots of great people. It's comfortable. But friends, what if God has even bigger things in mind for our church? Are we willing to step out in faith? Are we willing to look to Jesus, trusting him, and in him expecting even greater things than these? See, I think the best is yet to come. Jesus says to us, come and see. The question is, will we follow? Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for these fundamentals of discipleship that we see here in our passage this morning. And I just pray, God, that we would be committed as your people to walking with you faithfully and to living for you faithfully. That we would have a desire to abide in your presence, to dwell in your presence, to, to grow in our love for you. But then, Lord, that that love would overflow from within us and, and spill out onto others and that we would seek out others to extend that invitation to come and see, to come and see all that you have for us, to come and see all that you can do for us, the transformation that's available in you, the, the power and, and the even greater things that you promise for your people as we walk in faith. God, give us that passion. Give us that commitment. May we walk faithfully as your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Friends, I'm going to invite you to stand for our benediction this morning. It's a great one for today. After our benediction, our ushers will come and dismiss you row by row, so please remain seated or standing until you have that uh, signal to be dismissed. This is from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, lakes free, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And lakes free, don't forget, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God bless you, friends. Have a great week. Hi everybody, Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church, you can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free, and you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests, and we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.